From the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life. Hi, I'm John Schuck. I'm the minister at the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. Religion for Life explores the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. Today we're going to talk about stereotypes. When you think of Appalachia, a common response is something like this. This is comedian Ian Bread. Hey, I'm Kathy's brother Ian from Tennessee. Uh, we're, we're formed up and raised up there up in the hills there. And, uh, uh, actually, uh, I'm a three-quarter. Uh, Y'all being from Indiana, I see I got a bunch of black stairs there. So I'll be You got your half brother, you got your whole brother, you got your step brother. Well, I'm a three quarter. <laughs> and this is, uh, that's when your daddy, he goes, uh, you know, with your mama, and, and then you got one eye over here looking at your mama's sister. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you're born, and what was supposed to be your mama's, now your aunt. What was supposed to be your aunt, now your mama. And your sister's a three-quarter and a cousin. Uh, While hillbilly stereotypes generate laughs and income for some, they do a great deal of damage, and we're going to explore stereotypes of Appalachia, uh, explore where they came from, why they exist in the first place, and how we can overcome them. My guest is Larry Easterling. He is the System CPE Supervisor at Mountain States Health Alliance, and he's with me in the studio to talk about an article that is going to be published uh, this fall, Spiritual Care with Appalachians Beyond Stereotypes. He's also the organizer of Praise Well with Others, East Meets West, the Use of Meditation and Prayer in Various Faith Groups. This will be a series of panel discussions. Uh, the first one was September 16th, and that will be followed by one September 30th, October 21st, and October 28th in Johnson City at the Vota Auditorium across from the Johnson City Medical Center. Each presentation will start at 7 o'clock. More information can be found at religionforlife.com regarding the schedule. At these presentations, there will be panel discussions from groups representing African-American spirituality, Buddhism, Catholicism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, mainline Protestant, Primitive Baptist, Seventh-day Adventist, and Wiccan, all representing people who live in Appalachia, thus shattering stereotypes in and of itself. With me in the studio to talk both about this article and this event is Larry Easterling. Uh, welcome, Larry, to Religion for Life. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Tell me a little bit about your work as a system CPE supervisor. What What is that? Right. Um, well, our Department of Spiritual and Pastoral Care provides uh, throughout the system uh, spiritual care for those patients and families and team members um, who find themselves in the hospital, within the walls of our hospital. And... My responsibility is to work with uh, folks who want to become chaplains, and that requires uh, some training, theological training, ordination, and at least a one year of special training, and that is what I focus on. And you have written an article that is going to be published uh, in the Journal of Pastoral Care and Counseling. Correct. And that's coming up. Right, either in December or uh, December of this year or March of 2014. It's titled Spiritual Care with Appalachians Beyond Stereotypes. How did you come to write this article? 
Well, a part of it, is, of course, is my journey. I'm originally from the mountains of Kentucky, and um, uh, my parents grew up in a little place called Blair's Mills, Kentucky, and uh, were in, that's a farming community. Uh, and my whole life was spent sort of within that framework, within that community, uh, not necessarily right in Blair's Mills, because my father was a manager of a feed and farm supply, but we'd always travel back to the home place. Mm-hmm. And um, my understanding of myself and others have been framed in uh, the point of view of the Appalachian and uh, their framework. I started uh, thinking about writing this article when I realized that people, and I've lived in Chicago and Texas and other places, had stereotypes of Appalachian uh, folks. Um, And so... um, I wanted to sort of examine those for myself, but also to examine them for how that might impact spiritual care with patients and families and others. And so that's kind of how I came to think about doing the article. You know, I was uh, looking at a, a map, an old map, probably made in the 50s or 60s, that was a pictorial map of the United States and different images, you know, of grain farming in Montana or something. And for East Tennessee, all it was was a picture, a cartoon picture of a hillbilly. There you go. That's that's uh, really, and, and that stereotype, and you talk about in the article, how, how did the stereotype um, begin? Well, uh, of course, this is what I've learned of later from having done some research, but it seems like uh, you could go all the way back to sort of the Native Americans who were here first. Uh, Whoever came through from the European persuasion needed to sort of uh, put down or uh, denigrate those who were living here in order to get at what resources they might have. Hmm. For, For instance, I mentioned in the article De Soto, the Spanish explorer, came through this area with the Cherokee and the Yuchi looking for gold. Um, And they um, tortured out the information, and they found out, well, there wasn't any, but uh, the torture still went on. Um, And so that sort of denigration was in the service of uh, taking resources. It was about 100, 150 years later when other European settlers came back uh, to this area, and um, then they lived with the Cherokee. The Yuchi um, got disease from the Spanish um, travelers um, and pretty much disappeared from um, this area. But the, the Cherokee lived with the European settlers and kind of coexisted for a long period of time. But over time, more and more settlers came and wanted more and more land. Um, and so that tension arose and several battles were um, uh, had, took place. And so eventually the European settlers, um, in order to take the land, had to um, position the Native American as less than. And, of course, we know the story about the Trail of Tears and mm-hmm. how the European settlers finally won that war and shipped um, many, or if not most, of the Cherokees off to Oklahoma and the Trail of Tears. Well, later, after the Civil War, um, uh, many soldiers, both from the North and the South, coming through Appalachia as they were fighting, realized, hey, there are incredible resources here, timber, uh, coal. And so after the war, uh, industrialists with sort of local partners um, wanted those resources. And the, the native, now native, 
European settlers, uh, basically Scotch and Irish and some German, and there was a mix, uh, said, no, it's our land. Well, then, through um, um, one thing or another, they had to sort of put down the native Appalachians in order to take the resources. One of the uh, ways to do this was to stereotype them as um, ignorant, uneducated, um, and other ways um, through local color writings like William Fox and others. So they were put down in um, uh, publishing articles, etc. And so then it was easier to sort of take the resources from people who weren't using them, didn't know how to use them, were sort of ignorant and uneducated. Um, so that's in a nutshell. So it was really a concerted effort to get people stuff and to do that by writing in a, in a way that denigrated the people so they, so it justified, in a sense, those Correct. who wanted to exploit uh, the region. Exactly right. And uh, it was um, done so well and so thoroughly that people in Appalachia were um, stereotyped in a way that persists over time. The Beverly Hillbillies, Moonshiners, and other programs that sort of portrayed uh, folks in that way. You talk in, in your article about an, your own experience of, of living in Chicago. Yes. Uh, with your neighbors. Can you tell that? Yes. Julie and I uh, moved to Chicago several years ago, and uh, we were getting to know our neighbors uh, across the back alley from us. Uh, and um, so we met uh, Greg first, um, and we were talking about where we were from and why we were here, and I was here to do chaplaincy at uh, one of the hospitals in Chicago. And um, so when he said, well, um, where are you from? Uh, Julia said, well, I'm from the Air Force, so I'm all over the place. And I said, well, I'm originally from eastern Kentucky, I'm from Appalachia. Well, our new neighbor said, uh, looking at Julia, well, she must be your sister then. <laughs> so there's the, f mm -hmm. uh, in Chicago, that was sort of the first stereotype that we knew persisted. Um, now, he laughed and chuckled because he thought that was a clever way to connect with us, mm -hmm. the new people on the block. Um, and we got to know him over the, la uh, the next six years, and uh, Jane and Greg, both good people, uh, nice people, invited us to supper as kind of a going-away supper, and he um, made um, homemade clocks that are really nice, and he made us one, and they fed us a really nice meal. Well, at the end of the meal, he said... Well, um, you know, if we come to visit you in Tennessee, do I have to wear my dentures and my shoes? So there's another stereotype. So even mm -hmm. though he had known us for six years, and I still have my teeth and I still wear shoes, he again said um, something that he thought was funny related to an Appalachian stereotype. And so these stereotypes continue to persist, and they really do some harm for the people of Appalachia. Uh, yes, as the stereotypes persist, uh, there's um, the ongoing um, withdrawal of resources or just um, the prejudice uh, that kind of captures this region of the country. Uh, another, uh, again, some of these are just innocent um, uh, sayings by folks, but uh, I worked with a person who was the administrative secretary for the CPE program where I was. I worked for her, uh, with her for uh, like seven years. And after I moved, I called back just to say hello. And she said, um, do they have grocery stores down there? How do you get your food? 
Hmm. So there's a sense of this is not a place that's worth living. Um, uh, People are not um, civilized, as it were. And um, so those stereotypes have persisted. Now, some people might say, well, those stereotypes have a basis. Uh, they might say that uh, there's less uh, levels of education in Appalachia, but in your mm-hmm. article you show out that uh, those are, don't measure up with the facts. Well, right. Uh, the level of education is pretty much uh, the same as the, all of the United States. So if you say Appalachians are uneducated or undereducated, you'd have to say that about the United States. And I suppose some people would, but um, uh, it's a very similar um, statistic in terms of high school graduation and so forth. What are some other stereotypes that don't bear out in terms of facts? Um, the lazy. This, this is a good mm-hmm. one, I think. Uh, the, uh, you know, the people who would be lazy and sitting on the front porch and drinking liquor or whatever. Um, and so they were um, just sort of living off the government dole. Well, after World War II, uh, when the mining dried up and other jobs in the region dried up, People left the region. Uh, in fact, my parents left the region uh, to find another job. Um, and over a million people in Kentucky, West Virginia, Tennessee, uh, Southwest Virginia left the area to work. So the conclusion for that is that, no, they just didn't sit down and stop. They went out and got a job wherever they could find it, which was far from here, given uh, the economic situation at the time. So they're hardworking in terms of going, uh, going a long distance to get work. They, they go where they uh, can find work. Larry Easterling is my guest on Religion for Life. Uh, he is the System CPE Supervisor for Mountain States Health Alliance, uh, located uh, the headquarters in, in Johnson City. Uh, Spiritual Care with Appalachians Beyond Stereotypes uh, is the article that he's written that will be published uh, this fall. And you also, in your article, there's stereotypes on one hand, but there's also uh, characteristic uh, or many characteristics uh, in a positive sense about the region and the people who make up Appalachia. Uh, That's true. Um, uh, Loyal Jones, who is an Appalachian scholar and also from Appalachia, kind of put a list uh, together of several values of the Appalachian folks. Some of which, for instance, are personalism, uh, building relationships. They like to build relationships and hear your stories and uh, look to to tell their story. So that's one thing. Uh, They're very tight uh, as a family. Um, That uh, can sometimes be seen in the stereotypes as unhealthy, um, uh, but they're very tight families. Mm Um, and they stick together and um, take care of each other that way. There's another characteristic um, related, I suppose, to personalism, and that's what I call porch sitting. And so they like to sit and talk about their lives. Now, since they're hard workers, I I have an image that I like to talk about this way. A porch is between the outer world, say the fields or um, employment, and the inner world, the house. Um, and whatever tasks or chores go on there. So um, when whoever works inside the house and whoever works outside the house come home, there may be some porch sitting, catching up. What? How was your day? Um, what was it like? Have you heard from our relative in Chicago, for instance, or other places? So that that porch sitting is a way to keep connected uh, to uh, not only the immediate family, but to the extended family, wherever that might be. 
Um, that's what comes to mind immediately. I, I think there are other characteristics as well. And that builds that sense of trust. Um, it, you must have trust. that con- uh, that conversation time so you can get to know people so you can really trust them. Right, right. And, uh, um, of course, given the history, both the Native Americans here in Appalachia and other um, European settlers later on, um, you had to sort of sort out who was there to meet you as a person and to work with you or who was there to take your natural resources, whatever they may be. Uh, so building that sense right. of trust, that's sort of what I call a, a hermeneutic of curiosity or suspicion. Let's, who are you? Um, let's get to know each other. Which is, of course, a very smart thing to do. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a very smart thing. So, uh, you, of course, you wrote this article for those who are engaged in spa, uh, spiritual care uh, with people of Appalachia, whether as a chaplain in a hospital or in other settings. So wh- how, how does uh, this relate to how a person might uh, offer spiritual care? Well, um, knowing, um, if this is your population, um, Appalachia, knowing some of the positive characteristics and setting aside some of the stereotypes as just being unfounded, you go into the room um, knowing some things that might be important to them. The personalism, the porch sitting, uh, the getting to know, the storytelling, um, and that puts you in a place where you might be open to who they are. Uh, now, as I point out in the article as well, even though you might know something about the positive characteristics, you still have to start where, wherever they are. So this is just a reminder that the stereotypes probably won't help you. The positive values will probably help you get into the room, but then that individual person is uh, a mystery, as it were, and you just have to focus on them and, and see where they are so you can be of some help or comfort uh, to them wherever they might be in their crisis. Let's talk about religion for a second. Sure. Uh, thinking about uh, religious and religious diversity uh, in Appalachia, what are some stereotypes about religion and what are some values that are uh, perhaps more accurate? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, the stereotypes of uh, Appalachian religion, uh, one that uh, sort of surfaced when I was in Chicago, although I didn't put this in the article, is sort of like uh, everybody in Appalachia is a snake handler. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, there may be uh, seven or 800 um, folks in Appalachia, maybe a few more that are snake handlers. And so with a population of 25 million, you're talking about 0.000001% of the population. So that that one was just um, so far off the board that it, it missed the mark in terms of um, uh, religious identity. The other thing um, in Appalachia is that they're, that they're um, all very uh, conservative folks or um, very uh, set-in-the-way folks uh, in terms of uh, religion um, and aren't open uh, to other um, religious beliefs and values. Uh, for instance, uh, just in terms of the diversity, I mentioned in the article about Baptists, mm-hmm. and there are um, uh, lots of Baptists, Southern Baptists, uh, Primitive Baptists, uh, Foot-Washing Baptists, um, uh, Universalist Baptists. Now, boy, what a range. Um, some Baptists are really Calvinistic Baptists, meaning... Um, you know, you're, there's a small remnant, and you're either in or you're out. Uh, some Baptists are free will Baptists, meaning that you um, assent uh, to um, Christ as your Savior, and then you're saved, and you, so you have a free will. And some Baptists are Universalist Baptists, 
uh, believe it or not, here in Appalachia, um, who believe that um, uh, Christ died for all, and so everybody is saved, period. They, they said, well, that's what it says in the Bible, so it's true. So, so if you entered a room with a patient and you found out that they were Baptist, you still don't know much about the diversity that might be there in the room with you. So, so the lesson a, is not to assume right up front. To, cannot assume. Cannot assume. Coming up, and actually we're in the midst of a series of workshops or lectures or dialogues of East Meets West, the use of meditation and prayer in various faith groups. And you are, what is your role with this event? I'm sort of a, a, a participant planner, uh, primarily uh, helping to get the, uh, the event together. Um, I, I may uh, host a little bit, uh, but most of the speakers will uh, carry the day, so to speak, and have carried the day in our last um, meeting. And it's talking about uh, various religions and religious diversity uh, in uh, East Tennessee, and talking about it's it's more than Baptist uh, listed here: uh, African American spirituality, Buddhism, Catholicism, Hinduism, Islam. Judaism, uh, you mentioned a primitive Baptist, mainline Protestant, Seventh-day Adventist, and Wiccan. Right. That's the religion of East Tennessee and Appalachia. Right. Now, the, the stereotype, of course, of Appalachia is that those folks don't live here. Uh-huh. And, and in reality, they do. There are small—well, some are pretty significant communities, uh, um, but uh, all of those folks are representative here in Appalachia, and, I, and many of them, if not most of them, won't understand themselves to be Appalachian. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, this series of lectures? Uh, sure. Uh, primarily, uh, folks will come in from Islam, um, mainline uh, Christianity, um, some more conservative branches of Christianity, Muslim, uh, Jewish, and over a course of our um, uh, what is it, four nights, I believe, uh, over the course of our four nights, they will um, do a presentation and then ask for questions uh, and interaction in sort of a panel format. Um, and the purpose of that, like um, any other educational event, is especially when you're talking about religious diversity, is to sort of hear from the people who actually are in one faith group or another. And so that's our goal, is to address stereotypes uh, by hearing from people who are members of that faith community. One of your previous guests, uh, Jonathan Haidt, um, who wrote The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion, mm-hmm. um, when, when you talked to him, uh, one of the questions was, well, what can we do about this? People are kind of divide themselves up into teams and groups and tribes. Um, well, we're sort of taking his lead on that, and we're, we're trying to get the groups and the tribes and the different folks together so they can hear from each other. Um, and I think uh, he mentioned something about reasoning together, and that's what we hope to do is to, to have different faith perspectives, kind of reason together and learn from each other uh, not that they would necessarily change their point of view, but they would at least try to understand where others are coming from. And these four events, uh, the first was September 16th, uh, then there will be one September 30th, all on Monday evenings from 7 to 9, October 21st and October 28th at the uh, Votel. How do you say that? Votel Auditorium, Auditorium, which is right across uh, from the medical center. It, it's um, 
a building that's on actually the ETSU uh, campus per se, or they own the building, and it's just right across from the medical center. In in Johnson City, so so who will be coming to this event? Well, this this can be for the general population, but also as well as professionals and and uh, well, medical care as well as spiritual care. Right, uh, it's open to the public, but uh, we really encourage people who provide spiritual care, pastoral care, in the community, either in local churches or um, in institutions like hospitals or hospice or others. Uh, to come and kind of hear folks so that they can uh, learn about different faith groups within our region who they may run into over time. And, you know, um, it's quite a challenge for a chaplain to suddenly realize the great diversity of the people that she or he will be serving, uh, including, uh, I suppose, including of the religious, uh, one of the growing groups, uh, according to surveys in our country, are the non-religious. That's true. And that's a special challenge, I would that's, think, for chaplains. That's right. And, um, uh, of course, uh, what we seek to do as a chaplain is to meet the person wherever they are. And mm-hmm. if, they, if they are non-religious, uh, that's not an, if that's not an important piece of their life, then we try to meet them where whatever is important to them and how that affects their crisis. Um, so we, we have to listen carefully. Um, do a little porch sitting, uh, mm-hmm. listen to the people in the bed, listen to their families, and see what would be helpful to them or what resources, personal resources they have that can help them through their particular crisis. My guest on Religion for Life has been Larry Easterling. He is the um, CPE Supervisor for Mountain States Health Alliance in Johnson City, author of the article Spiritual Care with Appalachians Beyond Stereotypes, and uh, organizer of an event uh, called uh, East Meets West, uh, which is happening in September and October in Johnson City. Uh, any, uh, what would you hope, uh, if you could say in a sentence or two, that folks would get out of your article and this event? I suppose that... Uh both out of the article and the event, is that the stereotypes that we have uh, probably are not accurate. Mm-hmm. And um, in order to kind of refresh our understanding of folks that we've put in boxes, we need to come and porch sit a bit, listen, hear each other out, and help um, ourselves uh, be informed about who the real person is. So beyond the stereotype resides a real person. So that's my hope, is that we meet each other person to person. Larry, thank you so much for your work and for being with me today on Religion for Life. It was a pleasure. Thank you. The remaining sessions for Praise Well with Others, East Meets West, the use of meditation, prayer in various faith groups, September 30th, October 21st, and October 28th, each a Monday night from 7 to 9 p.m. at Vota Auditorium. That is across from the Johnson City Medical Center in Johnson City. Learn how spirituality affects health and healing from area clergy and leaders from African Americans, Buddhism, Catholicism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, mainline Protestant, Primitive Baptist, Seventh-day Adventist, and Wiccan. Again, for more information about the schedule itself, you'll find a link at religionforlife.com.
Religion for Life is a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Shuck, minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. You can find more information about Religion for Life, including links to podcasts, uh, information about upcoming shows, and more at religionforlife.com. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM and WETS-HD1, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM, Emory, Virginia. Be well.